And hello, good day. Welcome to the Just Ministry podcast from Educational Design and Development. I'm Michael Pardue in our Just Ministry studios here in Eichard, North Carolina on the campus of First Baptist Church of Eichard. Uh, as always with Dr. Justin Smith uh, here today and going to talk about the topic of leading uh, during grief and uh, a difficult topic, but I think one that is very relevant uh, for the pastor, because if you pastor very long, you will have to lead your church uh, during grief. So good day, Justin. Good day. And uh, looking forward to, to having this time to talk right. about this. It's something that for um, for me, for Justin, for our church uh, is really relevant um, and in many That's ways right. is still kind of raw. Uh, one of the reasons that we took a number of weeks off from uh, the podcast is because we had a couple of uh, really tragic uh, passings uh, in our church. Uh, and then also for me, a uh, family member who I was very close to passed away very unexpectedly. And so we kind of had a period of, of really about a month and a half. Um, and, and not that it's ended or, or finished, but uh, uh, just a, a really... Uh, difficult and painful uh, grief for uh, families in our church, um, but then for our church as a whole. Yeah. And uh, one of the things you find when you have a church and, and the way the church should be as a family, as a body with many members uh, working together to accomplish um, great things for the kingdom and, and the things we've been called to do for the kingdom, is that when you hurt, you hurt together. And so I, I think um, what I really want to do today, uh, not only in kind of giving giving advice and, and giving some pointers, as we try to do out of our limited knowledge here on the Just Ministry uh, podcast, but, but also kind of talk about just our personal experiences of, of working through that and leading through that. And uh, so I don't know, Justin, you want to start out or, or I can start out kind of thinking through that. Uh, what do you want to do? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. What do we want? <laughs> no, I, I think you're right, and, and I think this is a topic we've kind of batted around for, for um, goodness, sorry, several weeks at this point, and um, and it's just a, a something you're just not prepared for a lot of times in ministry, both uh, both from being the minister and and also just from being the Christian, being a believer in it. Yeah. Uh, both sides of that coin are are sometimes difficult to uh, to deal with, and especially when you you are active with your church. Uh, one of the things I think that that I really noticed up front was just the difference in being entrenched at a church versus kind of being a uh, guest speaker or kind of a fly-in by the by night speaker or a teacher sort of thing. If you haven't taken the chance to really get to know your congregation, grief times are the times that will really limit your ability to minister because a lot of times it's those times where your circles kind of collapse around you. When when someone near to you is suffering, when someone near to you um, it has passed away, it, it's the time where you tend to bring your, your circle in very close. And um, it, as a minister, it, it's tough in those times because you, you both have to lead, but you also are dealing with your own hurt, and, and you're dealing at times with friends. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I know that was one of the things um, you and I had talked about during this course here is is there's both the side that that you are the pastor but there's also a side that these are your friends yeah. and and it's very hard to you know there are some things in ministry we have to divorce in a way our our personal emotions from our professional position and we hate to say it that way but you 
you just do. There's sometimes where you have to just say, well, that's a church thing and this is a personal thing. But but it's tough when it comes to grief because the these things that kind of are transcendental in nature, these things that remind us of eternity, really kind of tear down that wall between it. Yeah. And, and so that's part of my mindset as we go into this is not only how do you deal with it as a as a minister, how do you deal with it as a as a person who, you know, like it or not, as a pastor, you have to relate to you know, fifty to a hundred to fifty to some some of them may be in larger churches, thousands of people. You have more people you have to interact with every day and that just means you're you're gonna have to deal with bad news, you're gonna have to deal with grieving a lot more often than a regular person does. Yeah, and and you can't you can't completely be numb to it. So sometimes you are gonna be numb to things. So as a as a, a pastor, as a minister, you may do a funeral for someone um, that you didn't know, and you know you kind of you 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 do it, and you do it with reverence, and you do it with respect, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have the emotional effect of doing someone's funeral, um, you know, ministering to someone who's sick, who you're very close to. Those have a very different uh, effects, and uh, it makes it. Um, it makes it tougher. You know, I was thinking as you're talking about kind of separating yourself. You know, I, I was pastoring a church a number of years ago, and uh, the budget was really tight, and so I had to sit down with the budget and and make um, objective, smart decisions. And so the recommendation I had to make was, "Hey, you need to cut my salary." Okay, and so so one, one, yeah, one. You know, you're very close. That obviously affects you, but in that, I think you you yeah. can, as hard as it is. Separate yourself out and say, um, okay, this is what I have to do for the betterment of the church. With grieving, I don't think you can do that. Um, And especially grieving uh, for people that you love. And so I know I found over the last um, really several months, uh, but, but over the last month and a half in particular, that you're having to have this time of kind of private grieving for yourself and then having to go into public and and in and really the sense that we've been in it's been the first time in my ministry that it has been very public so it's not just public and as as far as being in front of uh, a a local congregation but public in front as far as being in front of um uh you know, hundreds of people that you you don't know uh, who have come in for uh, services um, right. and being uh, a part of something. In one of the cases, um, it was a very public um, event that had taken place uh, for us here at the church and uh, in the community. And so it was something that um, you know you're talking about, you know, something that got media coverage and things right. like that. And so it really was a, a different animal where you really are going home and grieving yeah. and then um, then having to step back out, you know, to, to the pulpit and step out yeah. uh, in front of people and, and try to kind of hold yourself together and uh, deal with um, everything going on. You know, I mean, I literally a few times would stand up in front of people and then walk outside just to cry, to be away from people to do that because, because of what you're dealing with. And, and so what we wanted to do then is again, to the best of our ability, talk a little bit about how you lead. And one of the things, one of the verses passages that I always go back to when I'm dealing with grief is, um, Lamentations chapter three, 
uh, is just one of kind of my favorite passages to share uh, with families that are hurting. Uh, in fact, um, you know, I, I performed three funerals in the span of what two weeks after yeah. not having I was gonna say, like done any eight or nine days, yeah. maybe, <laughs> and, and ended yeah. up with. Um, I think I probably shared this at every one, and you know. Um, Jeremiah is remembering the hardship he's going through, the afflictions, the wanderings. Uh, he says in verse 20 of chapter 3 that his soul remembers and is bowed down within within him, with you know, within yeah. me, he says. And then he says, This I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And and I think for me, that is a, a crux passage for leading during grief. Mm-hmm. Because I I found that I often, I don't know what to say, I can't say anything that will fix right. the, the problem. I can't say anything that will fix right. the hardship. Uh, but I can, for a believer, I can draw them back to God's Word. And for me, this passage is so pivotal yeah. because you've got the, the whole swing here. Right. Here is Jeremiah. I'm hurting. I'm suffering. I remember all that is happening around me and I am just broken. But but one thing brings hope back to him. One one thing, just remembering this one thing that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases that and he goes on to say that his promises are new every morning. And so I think again for the believer, so leading someone who is an unbeliever in time of grief, ministering to them is a whole different ballgame. But ministering to someone who is a believer, th- this is where we can draw them back to is despite what has happened, yeah. the love of the Lord never ceases. Right. It's it's new every morning. You know, he would Jeremiah would say a few verses later, "Great is your faithfulness." Yeah. And uh, in in a time when everything's <laughs> falling apart for Jeremiah, right. <laughs> and and he remembers, oh wait, you know what? God is faithful. Right. And uh, I, I think that for me is kind of the where leadership in suffering yeah. in in grief kind of flows out of yeah um definitely and, and i want to ask you here in a moment because you had two very similar but very different experiences lately uh, in terms of one one experience you had was with a family who who knew there was a, a long-term illness you, you had some prep time so you, you almost end up having this year-long time of of mourning before the event yeah. the other was a very sudden uh, tragic event so it was there's no preparation at all both of them very uh, very high profile both of them um, like you had said had, had a lot of uh, clout around them both both situations were well known in this community and and so it was very much a, a public scene in both occasions but they were very different in the sense of yeah. one had a, a large lead time, one did not. Um, so I want to ask you about that here in a moment. But I do want to step off of what you just just said there for a second. And, uh, you know, one, one of the things that's hard from the theological side to approach, one, one of the things that, that we always kind of have to struggle with um, in talking about ministry life is we balance this theology and in terms of what does the Bible say and then what do we do in life, and, and sadly, they don't always match up. But but our theology should inform what matches or what we do in our life. And that's one thing. When we look biblically, it's it's funny the Bible does not have this gloom and doom picture of 
of mourning or of mm. grief. We do. We we experience it. We feel like it hurts. It's it's just something we've got to get away from. Uh, sometimes as leaders, we're we're even ashamed to show signs of grief in public. And yet, the Bible does not portray grief in a bad way at all. You know, Jesus is one that said in the Beatitudes, "Blessed are those who are mourned; they will be comforted." And I think when you read and you you consider the context of what he's saying, the the implication is you're comforted by God. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's a certain side to which um, having these times of great sorrow, having these times of great despair, having these times of grief, whether it's from a, a death, whether it's from a serious illness, whether it's from, from other tragedies of life, um, it it is a time that reconnects us with God. We're, we're preaching through Psalm 119 here at First Baptist Eichert, and, um, you know, the psalmist says it was good that I was afflicted uh, that I may learn your statutes. Mm. There's something we see of God through times of great pain and great sorrow that that we just don't see otherwise. It's not because it's not there. It's because oftentimes we're looking in other places. And, and the thing about grief is that it always brings us down to the common denominator. When we see a death of a loved one, whether we want to admit it or not, part of the reason it hurts is because we see that there is a separation in this life. There, there is sin has so entered the world that there is no escaping until Jesus returns. That, that we are going to be separated physically in this light, life, and and that hurts, you know. And and I think we have to balance this this idea as a leader to say how how can I stand tall as a leader and and guide my people to return to Christ in the midst of this, and yet also understand I'm a human. Yeah. Um. I I'm just going to share with you Second uh, Corinthians and verse. In chapter 1, starting verse 4, I, I think this has been um, really a helpful thing for me to go back to in times of tragedy, in times of great hurt, even in these grieving times. He says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now catch this part. For as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so through Christ our comfort also overflows. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which is experienced in your endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will share in the comfort. Now Paul is trying to comfort these Corinthians who are beginning to to kind of feel the tinge of persecution. They're beginning to to feel these afflictions come upon them. But I think he brings out a point that is is really big, and is in the moment it's kind of tough for us to to fathom. But but the truth is that any sufferings we have come as a result of sin, and and, and those sufferings that come as a result of sin were the same sufferings that Christ took upon Himself. Even though he had no sin, he who be- knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we may have the righteousness of God. And, and this idea that, that as Christ has suffered on our behalf for sin, so he can bring us comfort in our times, really give us this picture that when we walk through sufferings as a believer, we are really walking in line with the walk of Christ. Um, that's a humbling thing to consider because sometimes we, we want to get into these really messy cries or, or we, we only kind of violently react. But, but to know that we are actually walking along the ways of Christ and that as Christ suffered and received comfort, so he gives us comfort. And not only that, but the comfort he gives us is what we then pass on to those 
around us. I, I think that helps a lot as a leader to say, you you need to experience this pain. Mm-hmm. When when God allows affliction to touch you, when lo- God allows grief to touch you, whether it's in your family, whether it's yourself, whether it's just in your body of believers, you need to understand it for what it is. This pain is here because sin has entered the world and, and it's separated us from God. And, and the reality is that Christ is the only one who can comfort us fully because he's the only one who satisfied the sin. Yep. And and so it's as we lean into Christ is how we experience the comfort of Christ. And as we experience that comfort, that's going to be the well that you're going to draw out of as you give to these people. And so even though that's hard and, and sometimes that makes it sound just very theoretical, that's what you've got to hold on to. Your hope is in the fact that that you do not solve your own problems, whether you're the leader or you're the one experiencing grief. Your hope is found in that Christ is the one who gives you his comfort, for he has suffered on your behalf. Hmm. And it's from that that you'll draw and give out to others as they come to you. So I, I think it's perfectly fine as a pastor to say, man, it hurts. I, I'm just, I'm sad. This is my friend. In fact, I, I think that could be a really helpful uh, modeling for many in their church that you know many have never seen anything but this like wooden picture of a pastor up yep. in the front that holds his emotions in it, it's not bad to model this is what grieving looks like yep. we're, we're not we're sad we're missing our fellowship we're sad that our friend is gone but we know if he's in christ we know we'll see him again so we don't grieve without hope um but at the same time it hurts yeah and and so i, th- I think that's an important thing that you started with in saying that let me ask you though how, how different was it as a pastor um, dealing with an experience where you had some lead time versus dealing with an experience where it was a very sudden tragedy. Yeah, I, and uh, it was a very different experience. Um, so in some ways, when you have that time, there there is preparation that goes into it. Um, at the same time, um, I put off writing one funeral sermon in particular for 16 months and I knew very early that I needed to write that so that I would um, so that I the emotion of the moment wouldn't prevent me from getting it done and yet um, um, I came in to the office about about um, 7 o'clock or so on on a particular morning uh after um uh our, our our friend and church member had passed and and wrote almost the entirety of the message in just an hour or two and um um you know in in our other circumstance where where a very tragic sudden uh passing um i, I it almost felt like there wasn't time to to the, the, everything was so condensed that you just had to do it and be finished and um we literally um had services on back-to-back days yeah. and um again both both very difficult uh and then for me personally you know uh, just a few days later my aunt who had uh, lived um with my family the whole time of me growing up had lived with my parents for almost 40 years passed away very unexpectedly and so uh there was just a lot of emotion there um i think in the the lead time the the blessing of the lead time is that you get to 
minister to someone um, as they walk through the the issue to the family uh, in this case to the children and I just try to um, just try to be there for them uh, and try to care Um, in the other the church uh, in an amazing way rallied around this family to to care for them um, and to make it possible for me to try to care for two families simultaneously and so you know the way our staff structure is so um, uh, Justin and I are on staff here and work here full-time and uh, and that's that's kind of it as far as uh, ministry staff and Justin has a unique role in that that's that's different uh, from mine and uh, uh, mainly ministering with with our our child care center and, and all of that um, and so it was it was a lot to, to bear you know obviously the lead time gives you a lot of opportunities that something sudden doesn't um, but at the same time it's always hanging over your head that this is coming um, that, that this is a moment that you're gonna have to to look at and deal with and um, so I I don't know that either one is easier you know one of the things I was thinking as you were talking a minute ago that I have witnessed our church do and I think is is would be a, a, a a big piece of advice a sound piece of advice that I would give to, to leaders is involve the church in the, the ministry process so as as a pastor as a as a leader don't feel like you have got to bear all of that by yourself so have people around you that are helping you deal with the emotions of what's happening so many of um, the men in our church that that in many ways function like elders that are that are deacons but but even go beyond yeah. you know being a deacon um, were there for me as well as the the families of of these folks that, that passed away and but they didn't ask me to shoulder all yeah. of that responsibility myself right and I think that that's a huge way to lead is to have you know we we, we preach delegation um, all over the place for you know in every area of the church but when it comes to that it's almost like we <laughs> yeah. don't we say you know this is right. just for the the pastor in this time yeah. no not not at all delegate that out to yeah. to men and women in the church who have the ability to go into to these people's homes into their lives and yeah. really try to care for them during these difficult circumstances because it then um, it frees you up emotionally right. to be able to um, comfort in those special moments when they need it and to be able to you know you have to stand up in front of people yeah. and and um, proclaim you know these folks life yeah. um, one kind of final time publicly and you 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 need the emotional strength to do that and you're not going to have it if you've had to spend every moment over days or sometimes a week um, pouring out all your emotion right, to have something right. to do and so you can you can right. bring these leaders along and say hey I need you to to make yeah. these connections and bear part of this burden with me yeah. um, and I think that helps lead in, in the grief time yeah definitely and, and you know it's funny we we're talking about specific types of events here like grief grief types of event but really one of the 
the things I could I could hear already from um, from those of us who pastored in small churches before, or, or those of us who uh, have been in ministry for any time, to say, yeah, but my people don't do anything, and and it, it's just a great reminder here to say, you know, you have to, you as a leader, you have to start even if it's with something small, mm-hmm. before the grief time comes. You, your church is only able to handle that in grief times because. They've already had experience in in the regular time of saying, "Listen, can can you go check on that on this lady? She's she's been struggling at home. I think she's going to need some help with yard work. Can you check on her?" Um, things that are simple, you know, we 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 sometimes overburden people initially and then underburden them down the road. So up front, we give them this huge task, like, "Yeah, I want you to minister to this whole family by yourself," and then down the road, they just don't do anything, and we just let it go. Um, Make it easier for your congregation to start to learn how to get involved. So start with small things. Just, hey, I'm going to go visit um, this lady in our church who who is terminally ill. Uh, can you just come with me? Yeah. Uh, can you just ride with me? I'll buy you a milkshake if you want. You know, or or um, I I need to, to go over here. They said they have some kind of problem with, with their house. I know you're a handyman. Can you just come with me and just see what you can do? I'll talk to the people if you take care of their dishwasher or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. Start out with simple steps, and um, and eventually people will, will get to see, like, this is not that hard. This is not too bad. And hopefully that's that's where you start to build where people can see. You know, it's, it's a lot better when we work together. Oh, certainly, certainly. And you can't – so if you're a ministry leader and you're listening – um, and obviously, that's probably the numbers probably in the millions that are listening right now. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. um, start right now, preparing for the worst. And and I, I say the worst as in have your church ready yeah. that they could withstand unspeakable hardship. Because I we're a small church, yeah. we're in the middle of nowhere, and we had a week that I would be glad to put up against yeah. other tragedy. And I and and I'm sure there's worse and I wouldn't dare want anything worse than what we had. But if you think, well our church is small, it couldn't happen to us, you know, if yeah. you look on the news, if you see these things that happen in our community in our world, when I mean, you think about, you know, those those folks in Texas who who suffered through the church shooting last year. Right. They were a small church and would yeah. have never thought that happened. Yeah. Um and yet and I got to hear their pastor um, speak uh, this summer at the Southern Baptist Convention, and just to hear a man of resolve who, yeah. you know, I, he didn't share you know, what things he had been preparing his heart for and how do yeah. you prepare for something like that. And yet you could tell that he loved his people yeah. to the point where he, you know, there have been just dozens of people saved yeah. because of this, this the opportunity sure. he's had to share the gospel since this. And so... It could happen to you. Right. Something difficult could happen, and even it doesn't have to be uh, a tragedy that makes the news or something like that. Yeah. But but there there will be hurt and pain and suffering because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. And and so start now preparing your people to love right. each other and to minister to each other so that when something does happen, it's not unique. I watched um, on the particular night. Uh, that that the we had the tragedy here um, in our community. I, I watched my people show up and love on this family, and all of a sudden here is there's there's coffee, there's snacks, there's there's bottles of water, um, you know there's yeah. there's Kleenexes, there's there's those things. They were just there, and people just jumped in and and got going and tried yeah. to love on people that were hurting. 
but that wasn't the first time. And so they knew what they were doing. There wasn't, yeah. there wasn't someone having to kind of run the show and tell right. everyone where to go. <laughs> Our church was prepared because they had spent time caring for each other. Yeah. And um, I really think that you can lead now yeah. before there is grief by preparing people to be, to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, you're equipping them to do the work of the ministry. And part of that is not just evangelism and discipleship. Right. Those are obviously hugely important part of what we're doing, yeah. but the Bible tells us to comfort one another. Yeah. And so we comfort one another, um, in Christ. And we, yeah. we, we have to prepare them to do that. It's not natural. I don't think, right. I don't but, either, but yeah. we, we prepare our own hearts yeah. for grief, but we prepare our people for grief as well. That's right. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. It, it is a learned behavior. So, um, any other insight that you want to um, want to kind of give, think about that would be um, kind of helpful for leading in grief? I, I think so. To kind of recap, yeah. um, you know, I mentioned uh, this idea of, of pointing toward the goodness of God, mm-hmm. um, and then um, you shared about understanding that our suffering were comforted in Christ. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think an important aspect is to prepare our people yeah. for grief ahead of time, Certainly. whether we know specifically yeah. or whether we know generally, um, you know, this is, this is grief is going to come. Yeah. Hardship is going to come. Suffering, um, right. persecution, all those things are going to come. Right. Uh, how do we prepare, you know, yeah. prepare for that quickly? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think just as kind of a tie the bow on it, what, what are we as leaders uh, need to do to prepare our hearts for grief. I, I think part of what you've got to to be able to look yourself in the eye and say is, am I willing to be open to my congregants? Am I willing to be open to those who are around me? Yeah. Um, the the thing that often paralyzes us from our group is we just get a hard heart. We we kind of stonewall ourselves off. You've got to be willing to be open and, and just walk through the life God's given you. Yep. Very good. Very good. Well, Justin. Thank you for joining me in your office where our studio is. <laughs> uh, I guess I joined you in your office. Um, we just thank you so much uh, for listening to the Just Ministry podcast. We will be back next week. Uh, do remember, you can visit our website at justministry.org, justministry.org. And actually, you can contact us through the webpage if you would have an idea for something that uh, we should do on the podcast. We're always open to that. And uh, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>